0: You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Um, What I want to do is I want to take a minute and just, I shared this last week that we're going to do this. I want to kind of go over a quick review of 2019 like what we did how we did financially and i want to start that by saying a huge thank you because as i mentioned earlier uh we started february 17th as hope assembly we launched this as hope assembly february 17th of 2013 so we're just about seven years of god doing what god does in our midst and he, that can't happen without you guys without your generous giving and what's unique about us is that um We are what what I would consider a grace-giving church. And by that, I mean, we don't spend a lot of time on offerings every Sunday. We don't talk about, you know, if you don't tithe, you're going to be cursed and all of that, what I would consider nonsense. Um, (laughs) If you don't, sorry. But um, I don't think you can be in Jesus and cursed at the same time. It just doesn't work. Um, But, uh, so we don't do that. We don't try, we, we really work hard to not manipulate people when it comes to giving. Like, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? We have a job to do. He has a job to do. And he said he would build the church. And so we trust that if he's leading us to do this, he'll provide for us. And for seven years, he has been providing for us. And that's because you guys have all been faithful to hear what God speaks to you and just to give as God directs you. And so I do want to open by just saying thank you. We're thankful to God for the giving that you have done and the and the provision that has been provided weekly and monthly and annually for what God's doing in this place. We don't take that lightly. Um and, you know, every what we kind of say about our giving in general, this is sort of our mantra about giving, that if you consider Hope Assembly to be your church, then we just ask that you give regularly, generously, and cheerfully. And that's it. And whatever that looks like for you, because uh, a cheerful giver looks different, and, you know, two different people look, their cheerfulness looks different. <laughs> their generosity looks different. Uh, their regularity looks different. Some people get paid once a month. Some people get paid, you know, it's it, all those things look different for every single person. We just say, hey, as the Lord leads you, give regularly, generously, and cheerfully. Because we know that God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 And the message says, Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop, and a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. Amen. God loves it when the giver, I love this line, God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. I don't know about you, but I've been a lot of places where there's been a lot of arm twisting (laughs) in regards to giving. And we just don't want to be that place. We don't want you to feel that sort of... Paul here is encouraging the church in Corinth using the Macedonian church's testimony that they gave even in their deep poverty beyond their ability because a grace came on them to give. So he's encouraging the Corinthian church, I want you to do the same as the Lord directs you, not out of compulsion, not begrudgingly, because God loves a cheerful giver. Just delight in the gift that God has given to you. And as you sow, you will also reap. That's kind of the story that Paul is giving there. So I I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I um, can't say that enough, you know, for uh, three years ago, we were on, we were at a real like sort of impetus for the church and I had been, I was still working full time um, uh, and, and doing a bunch of other things, still trying to pass the church, set up, tear down, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we kind of came to a, a, a sticking point. We're like, we got to make a decision. We either need to go all in and bankrupt the church, trying to do it for real or we just need to go all out and give away all of our assets and let somebody else handle the church, you know, handle doing ministry in Wilsonville. And at that moment, three years ago, we said, let's go all in. I quit my job. We went, you know, full time as best as we knew how. And uh, here we are three years later, God. We penciled it out. We're like, we think we can make it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And uh, we just took that step of faith. And and here we are three years later. God is doing great things so let's look at 2019 just really quick quick financial breakdown last year we took in 196,400 and that's from about 25 or so 2025 actual family giving units Um, so that's that's awesome praise the Lord for that amen Um, we spent about 157,200 on just expenses staffing administration all of those kind of things um, we gave away about $18,000 to the community and to missions and wherever we saw a need that we could participate in. We gave about $18,000 away, and uh, we have about $21,000 in the bank or so. So we have been in the black. We have always been in the black. God has been good. Amen. Amen. So we, there, were, there were times it got real close, and we were like, Oof, let's see. But God has been good. Um, This is how we spend just a quick graph, and again, this is just a brief overview. 54% of what we bring in goes to our staffing. Uh, I'm full time on staff. Uh, we brought Jordan on last year as uh, sort of an administrator. Um, we, we pay other people. Eric gets paid at our soundboard back there and some other just simple like stipends, we would call them, weekly stipends that we get out to people that help on certain levels. So 54% goes to our staffing, 36.5% goes to our administration. That would be things like what we pay to be in this building, what we pay for our parking spot for our trailer, upkeep for our trailer. On and all that stuff you know this stuff all costs money it all breaks down when you move it constantly and set it up and tear it down it's always things that need to be replaced those kind of things uh housing our website all of that kind of stuff it's boring stuff i promise you um but that's sort of what we just grouped it all it's kind of our administration costs this is what it takes to make this all happen and then uh 9.5 percent went out to outreach and giving and our giving sort of broke down like this if you can bring that next slide up we um We gave, like I said, eighteen thousand dollars. If you remember correctly, we gave away eighteen Thanksgiving meals right here. We bought eighteen turkeys for the Wood Middle School. Uh, They came to us and said, "We need help. We're trying to provide eighteen families with Thanksgiving dinners." So we uh, wrote the check for eighteen turkeys of those dinners. Uh, There was eight families that needed Christmas gifts here at Wood Middle School, and so we also wrote the check for that and said, "We will, we will do everything we can to make sure these families get to have a good Christmas." every year we're the main sponsor of the community egg hunt um so we started off as just you know coming and serving the community egg hunt and the parks and rec department came to us and said will you co-sponsor with us so we're the main sponsor we give away all the bikes we give we throw all the eggs out we show up with the parks and rec department they love you guys they're grateful for the partnership that we do together and we we co-sponsor that egg hunt every single year um There's just a general benevolence fund. If you don't know what that means, it's just people call. My power is going to be turned off. Um, You know, we don't have groceries, those kind of things. We get those phone calls pretty regularly. And so as we can, as we're led by the Lord, we will buy groceries for people and those kind of things um missions we're doing uh more work in albania um and we support convoy of hope currently those are the two main things where we support in missions um convoy of hope is a uh like a relief organization um so whenever there's uh wildfires or earthquakes or floods or whatever they roll semi-trucks in the first one's usually on the ground um, with water fresh water food you name it uh Ways in which they can help people rebuild their homes—they do that domestically, and they also do it internationally. As well as that, feeding programs and teaching programs and stuff like that. And so, it's a—it's a very um, reputable. Um, the highest rating you can get um, from Charity Navigator, who's sort of a watchdog of all charity organizations. They have the highest rating they get, and so we appreciate the work that they're doing, so we partner with them. And then also, uh, Jim's son, Sean, is our missionary in Albania. Him and his family, his wife, and their four beautiful kids are in Albania, and uh, they pastor a church in Korca, Albania. And so we support him. We support a couple of the staff members um, that he has that are helping reach out to the youth there. They have like a rock climbing wall and all that kind of stuff. And so I just we just got back a couple of months ago from Albania. It was my first time over there. And it was just amazing what God is doing right there in Korcia. Uh, Albania so we support them and then also we support young life here locally um, we don't have a particular youth ministry um, we don't have a youth pastor or anything like that. Um, I was a youth pastor for 15 plus years I love youth ministry and so uh, our sort of solution was well our, let's direct our students to young life and let's get involved in young life let's be among students reaching out to them sharing the gospel with them and so we help sponsor kids camp scholarships we just help fundraise for young life um, in a lot of different ways. Amen. I told you it's going to be quick. Am I speaking too fast? It's just a general overview. Um, and if, if you need more detail, um, email Jim. Um, he doesn't have any, but at least you'll feel like you emailed somebody. Um, no, just kidding. If you need more information, I'm more than happy. Nothing's a secret here. But um, Looking forward into 2020, there's a couple things I. You to be aware of. Um, We are in 2020, we're increasing our staffing to help carry the load of the ministry, um, expand the ministry that we're able to do. So uh, we brought Jordan on, um, and he's been leading worship and helping with logistics. We brought him on a very, very small uh, stipend monthly, and so we're increasing that and bringing him more on in more of an executive pastor role. Um, he did an incredible job when I was in Albania for two weeks in a row. For seven years, we really haven't been able to leave. Like if I left, we just didn't have church. <laughs> That's just kind of how it went. Uh, not because there wasn't somebody to preach. just because there wasn't somebody to play drums, preach, set up, tear down, park the trailer, pick up the trailer, those things, right? Uh, we can find people to preach all the time. But all the other things that needed to happen, and so he's helped us coordinate with that. So we're bringing him on more. Similar to three years ago, we penciled it out and we said, well, we think we can make this work. It's going to be tighter than we would like it to be. But if we want to keep going the direction we believe God's calling us, we sometimes have to walk by faith and not trust in just uh, numbers alone. Amen? Amen. So so 2020, we're increasing our staffing. We're going to increase our Albania support. Matter of fact, I'm trying to coordinate right now uh, with Sean because we are going back in March. Uh, myself, I'm hoping to take a couple of the people with me and we're going to install a brand new sound system for them. They've raised most of the money for their new sound system. We're helping them research what they need right now. And then we're going to go in and we're going to install the new sound system at their church and train them on how to use it. They don't really know even how to use the sound system they have right now. And it is it is awful sound. I mean, it's bad. Sorry, Sean. Love you, but it's not good. And um, and so he asked if we can come. And so new, just a brand new system altogether. We're just wiping out all the stuff that's there. It's really old and really hit and miss on cabling all that stuff. We're putting in a new sound system. So we're trying to support them more. Um, Convoy of Hope this year will be supporting them with a one day to feed the world. I'll let you know in plenty of time. But that's an effect where we ask all of us to take one day's wages and commit it to give uh, and it helps feed young uh, children all around the world. Um, so it's a one day to feed the world program that we do. Um, we're really keeping our eyes open for community needs. We believe in being a church that's embedded in our community. Um, what good are we if we're not, uh, if people are hungry and we don't feed them, if people are naked and we don't clothe them, if people need shelter, we don't help them. You know what I'm saying? It's this sort of sheep and goats thing that Jesus talked about. And he's like, well, when did we visit you? Or when did we feed you? Or when were you sick? And he's like, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. We want to make sure that we have resources in our accounts that when this Lord directs us, we can do for the least of these, uh, you know, as if unto Jesus. So we're, we're you know, planning for that. And so that's kind of the, the general overview. And what I'd like to do quickly um, before we move on to the sermon is let's just take a moment and let's pause and let's pray together. Let's give thanks to God for his provision up to this point, his goodness. Um, and let's, uh, let's seek him for 2020 that he would also... Continue to be faithful in, in our works, amen, and what we do. It's, it's, it's really his work. We get to witness what he's doing, but it's co-laboring together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, oh, we're so grateful. Seven uh, years you've been faithful. And we honor you for that. And we want to be good stewards of the resources that you provided to us so that we can be light in the city that you've placed us in. And so we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we look forward to what you're going to do in this next year. And we ask God as we set out our plans before you, as we look to what you wanna do in our community and in each of us, God, may may our faith be increased, may our vision be increased, May we see the city the way you see the city and may we, may we respond to the needs of our city the way you would have us respond to the needs of our city. We pray, God, you know everything that we have planned. You know everything that we haven't yet planned, that you have planned. You know all of the things that we already need and so we just ask you, Lord, that you would provide in this new year that you would provide all that we need for every step that we take whether it be in Albania, whether it be through Young Life, whether it be uh, Convoy of Hope, right here, the things that you're doing in our midst, God, uh, have your way. Have your way, Lord. We thank you. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. gosh, sorry. I did not anticipate that. (sighs) What I need is more coffee. You have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 11. Praise the Lord. Um, I think I covered everything on that. Luke chapter 11. We're going to part three of Let Us Pray. Today's going to be a little bit shorter because of doing that financial review there. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 says this Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, and he said to them, when you pray, say, I, I want to pause there and talk about last week, we talked about having all of us having a certain place, that Jesus had a certain place, that he would go to places away from everybody else. And uh, as we're walking through the book, um, let, teach us to pray, or I, I forget the name of it, Um as we're walking through that book, we talked about how they talk about the Celtic Christians have this Scotty talked about this when he when he opened up the series. Celtic Christians have this saying about thin places, these places where we go, where the the veil between heaven and earth is thinned and And you can sense just a residual even presence of God in these places. That's why when we do 24-7 prayer, we want to do it in the same room. We want everybody to come to the same. We want to make that place like the tent of meeting that Moses would go to. It was a thin place, a place where you could meet with God. And so Jesus had a certain place. He would go up into the mountains or he'd go off by himself that he would meet with the Father. We need thin places in our lives we need certain places that we've set aside whether it's a a chair in your living room early in the morning before anybody's awake whatever that may be a thin place where we can a certain place where we can meet with the Lord and the disciples said Lord teach us to pray and how many know I don't know about you but I know about me I need God to teach me how to pray 30 years I've been serving the Lord I still need him to teach me how to pray Still, some days I'll walk into my prayer time and it just will be beautiful. And like an hour will go by as if it was nothing. And other times I'll walk in and it seems like everything I've ever needed to do in my entire life comes into my head. as like checklists and to-do lists. And I'm trying to figure out how Elon Musk has, you know, had the math that he, I don't know math at all. But for some reason in my prayer time... And I'll decide, did I need to become a mathematician and how can I make a rocket go into space? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's insane sometimes. Like, my mind is racing 100 miles an hour on 100 different things, and I can't seem to figure out how to just bring my attention back to the Lord. I need Him to teach me. The disciples said, Teach us to pray. And then what He did was He taught them a simple prayer. And this is, this is something that we've got to understand that God is calling us into simple prayer. He's, he's not impressed by our big words. He's not impressed by our, you know, uh, I don't know. He's not impressed by all the things that we try to attach it to make it seem more spiritual. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. What he wants is us, the real us, the authentic us, the no mask us to come before him in whatever state of mind we're in, frustrated joyful, whatever it may be, and just come to him and be with him. so he said, teach us to pray. And so he taught him a simple prayer. In the original language, this simple prayer, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, our Father, there's only 31 words in the original language, and most people believe that it was a song. It was a rhyming song so they could learn it easier. So it was a simple prayer. When you pray. When I was growing up, the tradition I came from, which was more charismatic, we didn't believe in reciting prayers. We believed only in spontaneous prayers. That's where the power's at. The Holy Spirit hits you and you spontaneously pray in all kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, the longer I've been serving the Lord, the more I begin to recognize how powerful it is that, that, yes, this is a way in which we can pray, meaning it's a structure or a framework in which we can pray. But also, just reciting the Lord's prayer is powerful. Um, I've put it on my phone. I'm not perfect with it, but I put it on my phone. That at noon every day, my alarm goes off on my phone, and it just says Our Father, and it just reminds me just to stop for a moment and pray the Lord's prayer at noon. I know sometimes I'm eating lunch with somebody. I was like, ah, uh, uh, you know, snooze or turned it off. You know, it's not like there's no legalism here. It's just trying to bring me, teach me to pray, bring me back to a place where I pray. When Paul said pray without ceasing, the idea was to be constantly aware of the presence of God, to be constantly in communion with God. Teach us to pray. Teach us to seek you, Lord. And so he taught on this 31 word in the original language, simple prayer. And last week we recited it and we're gonna recite it every week so we'll get much better at this. And I changed the colors on the screen so you can hopefully see it better. But let's pray this together. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I just want us to get in the habit of repeating that. Some of you, I could hear it. You're trying to throw King James in. It's fine. Just roll with it. Who art in heaven, hallowed be. You know what I mean? Thy kingdom come. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. But I want us just to get in the motive because this whole series really we're kind of we're, we're, we're working from this text in Luke chapter 11, where the disciples say teach us to pray and Jesus walks them through the Lord's Prayer. Today what we want to talk about is the need to pause. The need to pause. Psalm 4610, it's a very well-known Psalm, says, Be still and know that I am God. How many of you know it is so hard? to be still I mean really hard to be still we are constantly connected I am constantly connected we have the world at our fingertips in our phones and I'm not opposed to smartphones dumb phones or any phones I'm not opposed to them I'm not opposed to technology But the problem is, if we're not careful, these things will begin to run our lives and we don't know how to be bored or still anymore. And the psalmist said that when we are still, that's when we will know that he is God. It's in those still moments that we begin to recognize we can relinquish control, Right, because this is probably why a lot of us, we don't like to be still, because being still means the potential of losing control. Right? If I stop spinning the plates, the plates will fall. What the psalmist is saying is like, when you are still, it's in that place that you know that he is God. Now, I was going to do this, but uh, uh, let me talk you through an illustration I was going to do. For the sake of your ears, I'm not going to do it. Um, But we have wireless mics, right? In the back, there's a receiver, and then the wireless mic sends out a frequency to that receiver. And when the two of them are on the same frequency and they're linked up together, and the mic's on, the receiver's on, they're together, you can't hear that those mics are on. When they're on the same frequency linked up together. But the moment that you turn that microphone off and the receiver stays on, it starts gathering every frequency that it can find or any sort of thing that's on a similar frequency, it starts to bring it in and it creates this obnoxious white noise. I mean loud and obnoxious. I was actually in the gym the other day and they didn't know that this is how this stuff worked. and I'm rowing at the gym and all of a sudden they're playing all this loud music over the you know the sound system, and all of a sudden, over all of the loud music just the most obnoxious white noise and people are like stopping, like bars are dropping to the ground, like, what's going on? I got up and walked over to where their really old sound system is and just muted the mic and all of a sudden it went away. What we need is time to get on the same frequency with the Lord, if you will, so they can silence all of the white noise and we can connect with Him. That requires pausing. Pausing. Now, The book that we're walking through from Pete Gregg, It breaks it out into four different elements of how to pray, and the first one is pause. So he takes pray. I'm not a big fan of acronyms, but it is what it is. He, I'm not. I really don't. Hopefully, you never hear me teach with an acronym. Um, But he is, and so we will. Uh, So the P in pray is pause. Pause. The prophet Elijah. When you think about this, the prophet Elijah showed us that we. Don't meet God in the wind. We don't meet God in the earthquake. We don't meet God in the fire. Right? He was up on the mountaintop. After all of these things, he was in the still, small voice that he met with God. And I'm concerned for my own soul in a lot of ways with how much white noise there is that where our souls are not taking time to be in the presence of God where we can meet with Him and hear that still, small voice. In order to do that, we have to pause. In order to do that, we have to embrace the silence. We have to tune our ears to the frequency of that still, small voice. We have to be comfortable with befriending silence. Now, this is something I'm going to share a lot of things from, uh, you know, monks and, old, you know, people that have been doing this much longer than we have. There's been a history of the Christian church much longer than the American Christian church. Amen. And there's a lot of traditions that they have involved themselves in to help them, whether it be the Desert Fathers or, or you name it, the, the people that, that learn to get away, learn to set aside time, learn to, to practice, Brother Lawrence, to practice the presence of God, right? These people had this beautiful thing, and I'm concerned that we've gotten so far away from these ideas in the American church that we just have forgotten even how to be silent. We've got to befriend silence. Uh, John Mark Comer in his book, The the, uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, said this, The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we need most. The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, trying out the one endpoint we need most. Uh, the Catholic theologian Blaise Pascal said this, "All of humanity's problems stem from, one, um, from man's inability, rather, to sit quietly in a room alone." All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you befriended silence? When was the last time you paused in such a way that you could sit in the presence of God and be still alone with God? I'm thinking about just even my own, there's there's places around here like monasteries and stuff where you can go and do silent retreats where they will walk you through and help you learn how to sit in silence Because it's important. When our souls, our spirit, the the, the true essence of who we are, is constantly bombarded with noise. This, that, and the other thing. You know, the TV's on, and the dogs are running around, and the kids are running around, and just everything is coming. You're on your phone, you're reading your your Facebook feed, and the, the news is going on. Just so much stuff happening. We quiet. Our souls, silence. So I want to talk just briefly about uh, what's called centering prayer. This has been around for a long time. It's a, it's in the book if you're reading the book with us. Um, and uh, we just want to share a little bit about some practices to help pause and be still and know that he is God. And so... Um, when we talk about this silence and this idea of centering prayer, we're not just talking about external noise, okay? It's, it's not difficult. Like I've been doing this, um, you know, this year as, as part of my goal. So for those of you who don't know, 2020, we're believing 2020 to be a year of formation for our church. And so we're walking through formation practices, the first one being prayer. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm not up here telling you you need to do these things and then, uh, you know, I've mastered them all. This is so far from the truth. Um, I need these things. And so I'm trying to practice these. So I've been getting up early in the morning depending upon how, what my schedule looks like an hour, or hour and a half, two hours before I need to do anything else and sit in my office and I, I do make a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> the Lord loves coffee. I sit in my office and uh, read and just in the silence of the morning, it's not hard to turn off the TV, to turn off the radio, you know what I mean? To silence external things, that's not hard. But we're not just talking about the silence of the externals, we're talking about how do we deal with the internal silence? How can we quiet our souls and sit quietly in the presence of God, not just on the external, but also on the internal. Ever tried to do that? Like just sit in the presence of God, just I'm just going to sit here with you. Deep breath. What is that noise? (laughs) Right? Deep breath. Why did I do that yesterday? I should not have talked to that person that way. Why did I do You know what I'm saying? Like deep breath that bill was, did that bill, did I, I think I paid that bill, did I pay that bill? Is that on auto pay? (laughs) Right? Like internally, all of these things are trying to keep you from being, we're so used to going, 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 going. And so it's not just about the external, it's about the internal. How do we quiet our souls? Modern uh, modern centering prayer is rooted in, in Thomas Merton's sort of description of contemplative prayer. So you can use contemplative prayer or also centering prayer. They're sort of the same thing. But he would say this about contemplative prayer. He said prayer that is centered entirely on the presence of God. So we're talking about pausing in centering prayer. There is a time to bring your needs before the Lord in prayer, right? There is a time to say, Lord, here's what is going on in my life. Here's what I need you to do, right? But how many know every relationship needs just time together? Just in each other's presence. Not like, I need you, honey, here's the things I need you to do today. Can you imagine, those of you who are married in this room, and a good majority of you are, that if you and your spouse, this was the only interactions that you had, was the things that you needed from the other. Like, here's what's going on, and here's what I need you to do about it, right? That would be, oof, that, would be <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> it probably wouldn't last. It would probably feel selfish, like you'd feel the other person is selfish, and all the while well, you're being selfish, you know what I mean? You need times just to be together, just to walk together, just to enjoy one another's company. And too often we, we, we approach prayer as simply, I need God to do things for me, so I'm bringing them to him. God knows what we have need of before we even mention it, right? So there's a time for that. Centering prayer has nothing to do with that. Contemplative prayer has nothing to do with that. As Thomas Burton said, this is the type of prayer where you center yourself entirely on the presence of God. And so you sit in these moments and you're doing everything that you can within your power to allow the presence of God to overtake you and just sit with the Father. Just be with the Father. The same. Thomas Merton said this, Monastic prayer begins not so much with considerations as with a return to the heart. Finding one's deepest center, awakening the profound depths of our being. What he's saying is that these sort of this idea of this contemplative prayer is not so much about bringing your lists of things to do to God or things I need you to have done. Rather, it's about returning to the heart of prayer, which is finding your being in the presence of God, finding the very depths of who you are, being awakened in who God says you are, in God's presence, in your identity in Him. Amen. Too often, we're telling him what we need him to do and what we think he should be doing and why hasn't he done the things that we think he should do. In these moments of this centering prayer, we're saying, no, God, shape me, form me, make me, break me, mold me, these sort of prayers. Your presence. I want to be in your presence. Now We've talked about this before that the threefold idea of being a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, is to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, to do what Jesus did. And the number one is number one because it's number one, and that is be with Jesus. Be in his presence. If we get this out of order, if we try to do what Jesus did without ever being with Jesus, we will misrepresent who Jesus is. Right? So We want to spend time centering ourselves and awakening to his presence and who he's called us to be in him. John, you know, when Jesus was talking in the Gospel of John, he uh, he uh, used the imagery of abiding in the vine. That's so what what abiding is. It's like a centering prayer idea. It's it's being connected to and one with the vine. And so it's not the branch has to do all of this work. It's no the branch is producing fruit because. It's abiding in the vine because it's with, it's connected, it's one with the vine. This is what this idea is. Are you doing okay? So four quick things, and again, these are are in the book I've expounded a little bit on, but they're in the book of four ways to help us get into these moments of centering prayer. And I want to encourage you to try this. Even if it's just five minutes, a couple of days this week. I, we got to right? get into practice, right? We got to get in practice. If you haven't been in the gym for years and you go to the gym, maybe you can only go once a week, but go once a week. Get in the practice, right? You start to build up. and so maybe it's once a week, but I want us all to practice spending some time, maybe it's five minutes just sitting in silence in the presence of God this week. Here's some things that might help. One, relax. Don't be all tense. Don't be all stressed about this. We talked about this last week. God is not judging your prayers, right? He's not angry at you. He, want, he delights in you. He wants to spend time with you. He delights in your growth and in your attempts to be more like him. So, so just relax. Don't, don't get too stressed out about this. Go to wherever that certain place is your chair, your room, a walk. Maybe you need to actually be moving while you're doing that. That's fine. Like, I don't, whatever. Get comfortable as if you were planning to sit and have a conversation with an old friend. Think through your posture, think through the things that are going on and how that's impacting the way that you're feeling that moment and find a way to relax in the presence of God. Now some of you might be like this feels a little new agey. Relax um. <laughs> you know the scriptures tell us that we should meditate on the scriptures. It's this idea that we should sit in the presence that we, we it's not new age this is like what has for for centuries church fathers this is how they started this. Like If you read about the Desert Fathers, if I'm not mistaken, the Desert Fathers were so um, taken back by the fact that, that Rome was now turning into a Christian nation they're like, we don't want to have anything to do with these powers and, and trying to bring Christ and, and the empire together. So we're going to go out into the desert and we're going to live separately as a different and we're going to focus on the presence of God. And we're, we're, going to, we're going to meditate so that we can show a different way of living life. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying this is how seriously they took the idea of contemplating sitting in God's presence and being separated from the normal world. So relax. Number two, breathe. <laughs> this is where people really think it gets a little new agey. They're like, mm, are we doing yoga now? Is that what this is? is? this yoga? Maybe. No, it's not yoga. Breathe in deeply the spirit of God. There's something about it. I mean, have you guys ever been that where, where you're stressed or there's something going on? And if you can stop for a moment in that moment and take a deep breath. People will tell you, like if you run up on somebody who's telling you know, who's freaking out, something's happened, action accident or whatever, somebody comes up, it's like, okay, hang on, take a deep breath, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. Now tell me what you need to right? I May mean, I raised two boys, they come running in, <laughs> something's going on. There's something, okay. Deep breath. Deep breath. Now tell me. Breathe deeply in the Spirit of God. Allow your breath to sync up with the stillness in the room. Like allow yourself to rest even in your breathing in the stillness of that moment. Helps you calm your soul and embrace the silence. You want to know how to embrace the silence? One way is to learn how to breathe in the midst of it. Don't hyperventilate because everything got quiet. It's, uh, breath is such a beautiful metaphor. I mean, this, the scriptures are filled with this idea of the spirit, the pneuma of God, right? The, the breath of God, the spirit of God. I mean, even in Genesis, when God forms man out of the dust of the earth, he's just this, this clump of clay, if you will, until God breathed the breath of life into him, and then he became a living spirit, the pneuma of God. He was inspired by the pneuma of God. And so there's nothing weird about thinking about our breathing and breathing in the Lord. Like, I just want to relax, rest, and breathe in calmly the stillness of the presence of God. Try it. And then, speak. As you sit quietly in His presence and in the stillness, use simple prayers or simple words to help you center your being on the presence of God. Some people will pray, uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And all you're trying to do is use these simple words. You're not trying to remember or try to make up some sort of prayer. You're just using simple words to try to center your heart, your spirit, your soul on him and his presence. He said, "When you pray, pray this way: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name." It's sort of just the beginning. This is a that whole beginning is about being intimate with the Lord, our Father. Hallowed be Your name. Or some people will pray um, just Maranatha, just the, the word Maranatha. Or get Lord come, Lord come, Lord come. I think about how often maybe people think I'm weird because generally when I come up here to transition us from the worship, I really, I led worship for like 20 years, so I really love worship. Jordan and Alyssa do a great job, so I just want to kind of hang out. We could just do that all day. That'd be fine with me. Um, But I'll stand here. I'll be like, Lord, come. You know, what I'm trying to do is get a feel for what is God speaking in this moment as we're transitioning from singing songs into maybe breaking the word. Lord, what do you want to do? You come, you're probably already here, but I'm just, I'm I'm tuning myself and us into Maranatha. Lord, come. Your presence, be here with us, speak to us. St. Francis of Assisi used to say just over and over again, my God and my all. My God and my all. So he would silence himself and begin to relax in the presence of God and just say, my God, my all, my God, my all. Centering, giving yourself the opportunity to sit in the presence of God. This may be new to some of you. It's new to me too. Like all of my prayer life for the last 30 years has been mostly petitioning the Lord. Has been mostly, when I say new, it's been the last couple of years that I've allowed myself to read outside of my old. <laughs> you know, we used to have rules. You can only read certain authors. You know, that's how I grew up in church. These are your rules. These are the people you read. And I, all of a sudden, I started realizing there's these beautiful authors from different, different walks than I that I come from, but they love Jesus, and they're teaching us how to embrace His presence. It's okay if it's new. But there's just something about being able to go to my chair in the morning and not feel like I have to perform for the Lord. Not feel like I have to pray just, I mean, just fire from heaven. Anybody? Elijah was a man just like us. And when he prayed, he earnestly prayed that it would not rain. And it did not rain for three and a half years. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's in James, if you were wondering. But you get this sort of like, man, Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. Like, we got to pray these kind of prayers all the time. Call down fire from heaven or bears out of the woods to consume the youth who are mocking. (laughs) Right? These kind of things. And like, we don't. We don't have to perform. We can actually just sit in his presence and center our hearts on him. Our all in all. And then lastly, Repeat. Because what's going to happen? We're practicing. More than likely, we're going to get distracted. More than likely, uh, things are going to, you're going to solve the world's problems in this moment. This moment is when you're going to figure out how to feed everybody, right? Or at least your mind's going to attempt it. So it's going to happen. You're going to drift. Some things are going to show up. A noise is going to happen. The dog's going to bark. Whatever. Cool. No problem. We're practicing what we do. We repeat. Relax. Breathe in again the Spirit of God. Send ourselves again, Lord come, Lord come, Lord come. And we just practice how to be in his presence. Amen? How to rest in him so let me finish with this, with this prayer, really, of stillness that comes from Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2. And the worship team can come. We're going to sing a song. and We'll open up the communion tables. You can receive communion. The offering tables will be open. You can give as the Lord directs you. Both of those are just extensions of our worship this morning. But Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2 says this, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful. For me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. Think about that prayer. It's really a prayer from the psalmist about centering, about stillness, about being content just in the presence of the Lord. He says, I'm not proud, I'm not haughty, and I love, he says, I'm not concerning myself with great matters or things that are too wonderful for me. I so often want to rule, I want to be the sovereign of my life. I want to schedule it all out and make it all happen. In this moment, still me. Let me be quiet in your presence. Let me sit like a child. And you have all seen the child wrapped up. fully fed in the presence of its mother as content as can be. And the psalmist says, this is the picture of what it looks like to be still in the presence of the Lord. Amen? So I want to encourage you, this week, find some time to center yourself in God's presence. Maybe you can't start with 60 minutes. That's fine. That's a long time especially if you've never done it, right? Start with five. Start with two. But find a way to get in a rhythm of centering yourself in the presence of God. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.